Welcome, glad that you're here. Um, we are continuing our, our journey uh, through the series Unleashed um, and just kind of really talking about, you know, what it means to, to live the life that God has envisioned for us, what it means to, to be the body of Christ, what it means to live by the power of the Holy Spirit and, and really just let him have his way inside of us. And so this morning we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit or if you want to go a little old school, you can call him the, the Holy Ghost, boo. You know, um, but whenever I say that, I kind of think of like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, and they open up the box, you know, and then people's faces melt and, um, you know, their souls dissolve and, you know, we don't want any of that happening here this morning. So um, we're just going to stick with the Holy Spirit, you know, Um, but it's, it's a good, it's a good conversation to have for us because what we're, what we're really talking about when we, when we talk about the life of the Holy Spirit um, is is the life that God designed. God designed us a specific way. God designed all of creation a very specific way. You know, fish to, to get their oxygen from water, um, us to be able to breathe air, um, trees to be able to, to take in what we put out and then give us back what we need. All of these things living within God's design. Um, and at any point when we just simply say, eh, I'm done with that, what happens is we interrupt the design of God, and it brings, not life, but it brings death. When we talk about the life of the Holy Spirit, though where the Spirit is, the Spirit brings life. Where the Spirit is, the Spirit brings unity and, and peace and, and hope. And anybody know all of, the, all of the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah, yeah. I know Hayden does. He could even sing them for us. Yeah, it's actually on my Facebook page if you want to go look at it. Him singing the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness. Did I get them all? I think there's nine. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so this is, this is what the Spirit brings forth in our lives. Anywhere that the Spirit of God is, there is life. And so last week, as we were able to just kind of sit and listen to the stories of people being baptized, we're hearing the stories of the Holy Spirit at work. We're hearing the stories of life. We're hearing, I hope you heard it, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed, the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed through multiple voices last week. Being able to just share, this is what God is doing. This is the story of God's faithfulness. This is, this is what real life is about. Pastor Mark shared with us from these three narratives in in the book of Acts. And each one had these similar elements, and yet uh, there wasn't a particular pattern. There wasn't a particular order. So many times we try to put God in the box and say, all right, this is the way that God works. And yet the order changed, the pattern changed. And the only thing that happened was that these similar elements were there. And in in these different narratives, we had things like repentance, belief, the water baptism, the, the anointing of the Spirit, and sometimes the, the laying on of hands. It didn't really matter necessarily what order it happened, but typically it started with, with repentance. Repentance, being able to, to simply say, all right, God, I'm turning towards your ways. A lot of times we hear that word and we're like, oh, got to feel bad. Repentance is not about guilt and shame. Repentance is about life. Repentance is about redemption. Repentance is about turning towards the things of God, stepping into his freedom, being unleashed. That's what repentance is. Repentance demands that true belief. True belief demands that I have action that goes with what I say. 
that I don't just say words that sound biblically correct, but I live a life. I don't just say love God and love people. I actually love God and love people. This belief and this repentance, this truth, and what it, what it really repentance is, is, is us being able to look at God's design and say, all right, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Repentance is, is acknowledging that, that I'm not supposed to be living according to the way that seems right to me. I'm supposed to be living according to the way that he leads me in because he's the one who defines what is right. We sang these, these amazing songs about creation and the glories of creation and how they, how they point to God. You see a sunrise and you see the magnificent colors and the, and the streaks across the sky and all of that is meant to proclaim the glory of God. You see huge trees or, or vast deserts. They're all or, or amazing lightning shows all supposed to be able to point to us the, the power and the majesty and the glory of God. And yet in the middle of all of this, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are God's masterpiece. Because in all of creation, there is no port, part or, or portion that has the spirit of God inside of them. The spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus helped create all of them. But we are the only ones in all of creation created in the image of God. Made in his image. Made to reflect who he is. He created us to be like him. Living out unique skills within community for the benefit of each individual. And, and involved and, and focused on being able to live for the glory of God. So that just like people look at a sunset or look at a redwood... Or look at the waves crashing on the beach and saying, isn't God amazing? That they would look at us and say, isn't God amazing? As we reflect who he is. But if we really want to walk in this design, if we really want to kind of burst forth into these areas of freedom and power and joy and make the world a better place, not only for us, but for our children and for our children's children, should the Lord not come in those generations then we must follow the same journey that our brothers and sisters have been on through the story of Acts and living in each one of these elements, repentance, turning towards the things of God and away from the things that I believe are true, letting God define my reality, living in deep belief, living in the power of the Spirit. We're designed to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're designed to let God live his life through us. Wherever the Spirit is, there is life. And if we really want to live the life of the Spirit, we have to follow his lead. And we have to have from him the strength to bear the revolution that he wants to unleash in our lives. This is a revolution that, that goes beyond just you know saying those words of, of, of I love God and I love people, but really living in the revolution of, of doing that, not just talking about it. A revolution through which we experience such a uniquely empowering humility that is our joy to be like our Savior and to serve others. A revolution that equips us to see other people through the eyes that God has. To be able to see them according to God's worldview, not ours. Not blinded by what's going on on the outside, 
what he's wearing, what she's wearing, what they look like, what they say, and to be able to look with the very heart of God at that person and understand that God desires them to be in relationship with him, that God loves them, for us to get to this place, this revolution, so that we can totally trust God. There's this verse that in, uh, in 1 Timothy, it says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. I think so often as we look at our lives, we look at these places and we go, oh, I've experienced the spirit of God here. But overall, more often we probably say, you know what? I, I have a spirit of fear, a spirit of confusion, a spirit of, of timidity. Uh, I, have a, I have a spirit of doubt or deception. I'm not even... I'm not even sure if I understand God. I'm not sure if I can hear God. God wants to live through me. I don't even know what that means. We live in these places and God is calling us forth out of those places. But it's the same journey that previous followers of Christ have been on. I love that the the, the Bible from cover to cover shares the story of of bonehead disciples. You know, we have uh, people like Saul. Saul, who, who the spirit of God came upon him, King Saul. And it says that God changed him. God gave him a new heart, and then he became this amazing leader. But at some point along the way, Saul looked at himself and said, hey, I'm the tallest in the community. I'm the best-looking guy around. I'm the king. And instead of this, this change of heart from a, from a timid man to a man used by God, now he went to a man filled with pride. And he turned away from the things that God had called him to. God had unleashed his spirit inside of him. Saul, King Saul, was the man who at his coronation, he was hiding in the luggage. He was hiding amongst all of the goods. He was hiding off in the corner. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get here. Come on out, Saul. Be the man that God's calling you to be. Be an authentic man. Let God work through you. And as he did that, he experienced immeasurable blessing. But in the end, he refused to walk in God's design and instead chose to do what seemed right in his own eyes. We have the story of Peter, right? Peter, this amazing man, he, he, he has such faith and he walks on water. And then the spirit of fear, and he begins to drown and sink beneath the crashing waves. He has this amazing confession. Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are my Lord. You are my master. I will never forsake you. And then, as Jesus is on his way to the cross, he repeatedly and blatantly denies Christ. This is our story. It happens to us all the time. I really like these next two guys because it lets me know that there's hope for me. You can look at it in Luke chapter 9. A couple of my favorites. These guys had real chutzpah, if you know what I mean. Like they, James and John, and this, is, and this is what Luke records for us. As the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, 
you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. James and John unleashed their new evangelistic program to save the entire world. They probably, hey, Jesus, we got some biblical basis, right? Remember that Sodom and Gomorrah thing? Can we do that now? This is exciting. And Jesus just looks, are you following me? Seriously. No, really. Are you my followers? You don't even know what spirit you're of. What are you doing? You actually think that that is what God wants to do right now in this time, in this place? You're exactly wrong. You don't even know what you're doing. And I love this because in another one of the Gospels in Mark, we get this insight, and it's Peter probably writing, and he's like, yeah, James and John. (laughs) And he's like, Jesus called them Boanerges. This little nickname for him. It means the sons of thunder, you know? What's your nickname? What is Jesus' nickname for you? And all of those bonehead things that you've done, repeated mistakes, what, what is, how does Jesus look at you and just go, <laughs> oh, you're so awesome. <laughs> Son of thunder, you're bonehead. I got to keep you next to me. And, and over and over again, we see this with James and John and Peter. The, this is the remedial group of the disciples, okay? God, Jesus is always keeping them right next to him. The other disciples, yeah, you, you got a little bit more. No, you, Peter, James, John, here, come here. Over here, boy, come on. Always keeps them right next to him because he knows they need moment-to-moment guidance before they go obliterate a city in the name of Jesus, okay? This is not God's will, We always fight these things, though. Every single one of us. We need to have our hearts transformed. We need to have our our minds changed because we're hardwired for purpose. We're hardwired for meaning and for mission, and we long for it, and we crave it, and we desire to do awesome, wonderful, exponentially great things in the world if we dare to hope at all. And God says, yes, I want you to do that. But I'm not just going to be with you. I want you to be with me. I want want you to be led by me into these places of inspiration, into these places of passion. Maybe some of us have forgotten that this is our calling. Maybe some of us have, have, have grown weary in doing good. Maybe some of us need to be inspired and may God give you the freedom today to be able to know that you are infinitely valuable in in God's eyes. Know that you are infinitely valuable in the sight of God and that he willingly and openly and freely shed the blood of Jesus Christ for you. And it was worth every single drop that was spilled. May you know today that you are infinitely more valuable than you think. God wants us to experience the fullness of that value. He wants to bring out that value by the life of the Spirit. And nothing says, I love you, like giving yourself. Over 12 years ago, I I stood at the altar with my beautiful wife, Renee, 
And I was given one of the greatest blessings and one of the experience, one of the greatest loves I've ever known to have her stand beside me and say, Dan, I give myself to you. Nothing says love like giving yourself. Not, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a few years. I'm gonna give you some of my love. No, I'm gonna give you everything that I am because this is God's will for my life. I'm gonna love you unconditionally. Nothing says I love you like giving yourself. You can meet a need. We can step into a situation and, and we can give a little bit of money. We can step into someone's life and do an act of service. We can show kindness in a moment randomly or intentionally, but nothing says I love you. Nothing means love like giving yourself because everything is relational. God is relational. And this is what makes the world go round. Service without love is nothing. Giving money without love is nothing. Everything is relational. And when we give ourselves because of love, then giving ourselves in service, giving our time, giving our money, it's not even a big deal. Because those things no longer hold the affections of our hearts. Now the affection of our heart is focused on our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's only one way to control our heart's affections, and that's being made alive with the Spirit of God. Jesus is talking in, in John chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees. And Nicodemus comes and is asking these questions about salvation and what it means. And, and Jesus replies to him in John chapter 3, he says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So many times we find ourselves trying to live outside of God's design. This glass is empty, but, but actually it's not empty, right? It's filled with air. It's filled with something that doesn't have a substance. And so many times we're, we're, we're like these fish, we're, we're trying to, to live in God's design and, and things seem to be going swimmingly. Things are going so well, we're so at, we're so at peace, we're, we're filled with hope, we're filled with life, we have so much freedom. And then we get removed from our environment. Then we get put into this place where, where we find ourselves outside of, of God's design. We begin to flop and flap around. Now, now these fish have everything that they need to live, right? Oxygen. All they need is oxygen. But they aren't designed to draw the oxygen that is all around them right now. They are not designed to draw that oxygen out of the air. Some of you are like, put the fish back <laughs> in the water. Okay, okay. In a minute. Hang up the phone with PETA, all right? <laughs> we find ourselves in this place, and, and the first thing that hits us is, oh my, oh my God, fear. W what am I doing here? How, how did I get here? This is not what I'm designed for. We find ourselves in this place, and we start, we start flopping around. And we go, oh, wait a second. No, no I, I can do it. I can do it. I can, I can get this. I, I got this. No problem at all. 
And these fish, they can survive for a few minutes. Really, a few minutes. They're not going to die anytime soon. It's okay. Just breathe. <sighs> breathe. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Just breathe. They can survive in this space for a limited period of time outside of their design, outside of their environment. And then the next thing they experience is failure. Because if they stay here, they're going to die. And we'll have sushi. No, we won't. Because that's gross. But this is the defining moment. This is the moment where we realize I'm not living in God's design. I've, I've got fear. I've got confusion. I've got desperation. I've got doubt. I've got pain. I'm defining my life by my circumstance. I look at it and I realize all of a sudden I do not have inside of me what it takes to survive this circumstance. And God says, you're right. Because you're designed for the living water. You're designed to swim and to breathe and to live and to move with freedom. And the only thing that defines you is the container that you're in. How big is your God? How big is your God? This is where we sit when we start experiencing these things and the challenges that come with it. This is really where we get defined. Martin Luther said it, Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way. He said, The true measure of a man is not in how he behaves in moments of comfort and convenience, but how he stands at times of controversy and challenges. See, we're not designed to be in control. We're designed to be led. We're designed to follow. And most of us follow very well. We're just following the wrong thing. We're designed to be led step by step, moment by moment, by the spirit of the living God, the spirit of the living God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that desires to bring us to life, to newness. When we do follow him. When we do stop living outside of our design and start breathing the, from the well of living water, breathing the spirit of God, then he breathes life into us and we find our purpose. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, listen, you need me with you, but I got to go. I, I, I'm in this body and see what I, what I desire to do is bigger than just you. I desire to change and revolutionize the entire world. And so I need to go because in this body I'm limited to time and space. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. He didn't say go out and start preaching. No, when he was with them, he would send them out. And then when he left, he said, don't go, no, don't go preach. Go and wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't try to check off your spiritual checklist and try to live godly. Don't focus on, hey, what's the next thing that I need to work out to be more like God? Don't focus on, what do I need to pray about to be like God? No, you need to listen to the Spirit of God and let Him lead you. Don't go anywhere 
without the Spirit. And this is what the Spirit of God does when He is unleashed in our lives. He is unleashed without measure. That is the way that God has given Him. Not a little bit here and a little bit there. He says, you get as much as you want. Drink from the fire hose of the Holy Spirit if you want. It's okay. He's not going to kill you. The Holy Spirit brings life and peace. This is what He's going to do. He's going to remind you of the words of Christ. He's going to remind you of of his instruction and of his discipline and of his encouragement and those words that bring eternal life. He's going to guide you into truth. He's going to lead you on a path where you live out the truth. He's going to convict you of sin. If indeed you are the children of God, if indeed you do have the Spirit of God inside of you, then the loving Father, Abba Father, Daddy, corrects his children. Don't you correct your children? Certainly you should. Certainly certainly we should guide our children and train them and teach them because we love them. Not because we're angry. Not because they inconvenienced us. Not because they're interrupting our TV show. Because we love them. He will convict us of sin. He will empower us to reflect who Jesus is. He will empower us to become as God is, made in the image of God, to be able to reflect who he is, to be able to experience and reflect his power. He will comfort and encourage and counsel you. He will give you spiritual gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. This is God's design. You want to live godly? This is the only way to please God and to live in his design. The life of faith is the life of the Spirit. And we had King Saul. And King Saul walked away from the Spirit of God. And if you read his story in 1 Samuel, you'll read that from that moment on, Saul was tormented by other other spirits. You can define them however you want. But where the Spirit of God is, where, the, where, where there is life, there is not torment. Where the Spirit of God is, there is not fear, there is not torment. Where the Spirit of God is, there is hope and there is life and there is power that does not disappoint if we will but follow, if we will but lead. And King David was Saul's successor. And he's described as a man after God's own heart. He followed after God. He was empowered by his Spirit. And where he didn't follow God's spirit, it was very black and white. It was very extreme. He either followed God with all of his heart and loved God with all of his heart and danced around half naked, undignified in the streets and wrote amazing psalms, or he was an adulterer and a murderer and a liar who gave opportunity for all of the surrounding nations to blaspheme God. He either lived in the spirit of God or... He lived it up. And in Psalm 51, we read the aftermath of this time of him living it up. And he begs God. says, God, do not take your presence from me. Don't don't separate me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Make me willing to obey you, God. And then... I'll teach all those rebels out there who are just like me how to follow you, how to love you. David experienced the life of the Spirit again 
and wrote one of the ama- most amazing psalms, I, I think, ever, is Psalm 139. And in, in this life of the Spirit, he cries out, he says, I can never escape from your Spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You're everywhere, God. You are always with me. You are always for me. You are always speaking to me. This is amazing. And I think a lot of times when we read these kinds of things, what we hear is you have to have the life of the Spirit. You need to submit to the Spirit and instead hear it this way. We get the privilege. We get the honor of being the house of God. We get the privilege of being the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God, all-powerful, almighty, infinite God, would dwell inside and with and lead and guide and love me and you. Paul kind of blows this out a little bit more in Romans chapter 8. We'll finish up with this. And he says, And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature, to do what your sinful nature dictates to you, urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if, Through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, Daddy. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Jesus set the example for us. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He lived his life as a young child, obeying the Spirit, following the Ten Commandments, honoring his father and his mother, living a perfect life. And at the ripe age of 30, yeah, Jesus was a late bloomer. He stepped into God's calling and was baptized. He humbled himself as a man and participated in a baptism of repentance to set the example for us of what we must do. God was so honored by this. After Jesus' baptism, it says that the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and landed on him, anointed him in the power of the Spirit. And at that moment, he started his earthly ministry. At that moment, he stepped into the fullness of God's design, into his calling. And in three short years, he wrecked the world's paradigm. That's the power of the Spirit. 
That was the example that our Lord and our Savior set for us. We too must participate in this. I want to ask you to stand, if you will stand, to say, God, I want more of your spirit. I ask you to stand, if you will say, I am a child of God, and I want more of the spirit of God leading me, guiding me, convicting me, drawing me, letting me know of my infinite worth because of his infinite worth. We're going to pray. Pastor Eric is going to lead us as we sing these words. Ask God to fill you, to guide you, to convict you, to empower you. Lord, we're here for you this morning. We're here because of who you are. Not because of some idea, not because of some form of morality or or godliness or, or trying to be good people. God, we are here because we are desperate for you, that we need the life of the Spirit. We need to breathe in all that you are so that as we walk through our day, as we walk through our week, as we leave these doors, Lord, that we will be empowered and equipped and submitted to you. Father, make this reality that we would not flop and flail and gasp at godliness, but that we would live the full power of who you are, that we would reflect you, that we would bring you honor with our words and with our actions, with our parenting and with our husbandry, Lord, that we would be all that you've designed us to be. Break our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.